This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And Court, you talk about the best of all worlds here. Zupan's has been in Portland for since 1975. That's through a lot. And, you know, there are three stores now, and it's a great place to celebrate our local food culture at Zupan's. They, ca- they carry just about every great brand of food. They have uh, chefs, chefs working with them locally. And um, if you get into Zupan's, you're going to experience not only that, but some of the best foods from around the world. For instance, they have a balsamic uh, seminar in Cellar Z this weekend. And those things are awesome. And uh, the Seller Z is great. If you look, if you subscribe to Zupans, what happens, Court? Well, you can find out about, uh, obviously, uh, sales and, and discounts taking place at your local Zupans. But you can find out about these great events taking place either at the Seller Z or at your local Zupans, whether they be a balsamic tasting event. Or, you know, they've also got the uh, floral wine and design. Yeah, there's nothing better than that. Who, who, what is nicer than drinking wine and learning how to do great flower floral arrangements with excellent product? Absolutely, and we should also point out we've uh, we've been uh, talking about this pretty much every time we we uh, get around a holiday. We talk about let, letting Zupans uh, take some of the heavy lifting away from you, so you can celebrate spring spring holiday ordering underway, whether it be Passover or Easter, fresh and fully prayer. Pre- fresh and fully prepared dishes available to you you can reserve online and then just go pick up in your local zoo pans yeah that's a great idea and it is very helpful and very delicious this is not just and this is this is food prepared by professionals who've uh, been around the block a few times. So, um, Zupan's Markets, three locations. And that would be West Burnside, McAdam, Lake Oswego. And, of course, we recommend people always visit where? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It is Portland's Food Scene Podcast right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Well, and you are, this is running while you're enjoying your your time away from town, and uh, I hope you're having a good time. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, you know, we're, we're recording this in advance, but I can uh, see it now, Chris. I'm probably uh, sunburned a little bit. Um, uh, dreading the fact that we're probably going to be flying home in, in just a few days and uh, loving life. But you're coming back to spring. That's a good thing. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> let's, let's hope we see it. One sad note I just wanted to uh, mention, you know, we are doing this in advance, so uh, it's not that timely, but people may or may not know. I'm so sad to see that the restaurant Chico has closed. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, they cited economic conditions and they just couldn't make it. Um, it's particularly sad. I know we, uh, we had done a fundraiser for the original owner and chef Kelly Myers, um, who was uh, just had a big medical problem and landed in the hospital a few years ago. And we had Liz Davis, her partner at the restaurant on the podcast. You can look that up if you'd like. Always one of my favorite people in the business. And we also had their pastry, sh- uh, blah, 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 blah. 
their pastry chef, Mindy. Um, do you remember her last name, Court? Um, I do. It's uh, coming to me. It was uh, Mindy Keith. Thank you, Google. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had her on way back when, in the early days of the podcast. Yeah, she was episode, Mindy was episode four. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, you know what I saw this morning? You know, we were numerically, we're up to episode 300 something, 340. In the 346. 346. 346. This but yeah. we're actually, we've, we've put out over 500 because we've done some repeats. And then years ago, we did the, um, the sound bites, which we didn't number. So right. it's really 346 interviews that we've done mm-hmm. from scratch and then a lot of other episodes and some repeats as well. So, But each repeat, you and I meet here to discuss it. So yeah. that is a recording per se. Sure. So we've been in touch with people for a long, long time. Um, yeah, I, it's hard for me to believe. But at any rate, I'm really sorry about Chico, one of my favorite places. Excellent Oaxacan fair. And they had a great bar. And they just sh- they shut and told people afterwards and then just had a little party um, mm. recently. So one more. It just seems like there are a lot that the, the scene has just changed a lot. No, that, that, it, it definitely has. I mean, I, f- for a lot of people, you know, the, the we're going to be filling the residual effects of what happened during the pandemic for years. It changed people's habits. It changed people's perspectives. And I think a lot of the restaurants that, that held on thinking things would change or get better, um, they just haven't. And and I think it, it's, it's very uh, – it could be even very unique to the neighborhoods that they're in. I think there are some neighborhoods that might be thriving, and there are some neighborhoods that just haven't recovered. Yeah. yeah well, it's not only Portland, too. So this yeah. is a neighborhood that, you know, has just had a particularly great food scene, and things have changed with the labor market and costs and so forth. So on the positive side, there are some – there's some uh, there's some great new restaurants to try. And, uh, you know, if you pay attention to this podcast, you hear about some of them. You can certainly follow Eater and find out what's new out mm-hmm. there. So there are positives. Uh, it's just younger, new blood that's out there right now. And so um, somebody at some point is going to take over that Chico space. And um, But it is it is a little different. However, on this particular episode of Right at the Fork, um, I do hearken back to, what, 2010 and 11 in the food scene with uh, Dina Avila, who is most people, if they follow Eater, would definitely recognize her work. Um, she's an incredible food photographer who photographs food and chefs and so forth and found her way into the food world in Portland years ago. I met her when she was um, working at um, Whole Foods, which brought her to Portland, was a job at Whole Foods. She'll talk about this in the podcast. And then she made the leap to full-time photographer just about the time that I had asked her to uh, help us get Portland Food Adventures, our local events, which we haven't done in a while. And I explain that later in this episode, if you stick with it, why we haven't. Um, but uh, Dina came to some of the first events we did. And uh, that's about the time she got up and running as a food photographer in Portland. And she's been z- very successful since. And, you know, I mentioned it, Court, 
one of the reasons I do love this podcast personally is it gives me the opportunity to uh, sit down for an hour with people I normally don't get to do that with these days. And look, I get to chat with you every week. Yeah. What would our friendship be? I ask this question if we didn't have this podcast and get to do this. Um, uh, very, I don't know that it would be much, Chris, let's be honest. Well, no, I would try. I think we would have to try, but this, this gets us together. But at any rate, I you can tell in this interview, I really enjoyed Dina. I really love her. She was very open and she had to be pushed a little bit, uh, to come on the podcast. She's, uh, she, she talks about being an introvert and how that affects her. Um, but I don't think she is. She's, she's, she's perfectly um perfectly charming and wonderful uh on this podcast so and and she knew she was going to be talking to millions of people so um at any rate i really enjoyed this conversation uh you know she brought up one thing that every once in a while i don't know if this happens to you court while you're interviewing something comes about and you think why haven't i asked that question to almost everybody or more often and she brought it up she brought up what she's reading lately and i you know because i'm not a voracious reader right i don't think to say what what are you reading lately but it's a really good question or what what's what have you read lately is fine too but i loved uh dina's uh talk about what she's reading right now and i i failed to ask her what else is on the uh the 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 end table that she's going to read that she is going to read too. But um, at any rate, it was great to catch up with Dina, talk about what it took to get into the food world and um, how she's doing now, which is fine. And we talk a little bit about the pandemic as well and what her, what her goals are going forward and where she wants to go in life and so forth. So I love this conversation. A lot of people are industry friends out there. know Dina. So, Everybody will enjoy this hour-long, maybe hour-long plus talk with Dina Avila. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angelis, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. And by... In Oregon, flavor is not just about food, but about character, freshness, and sustaining this beautiful place. Our fishermen continue to work hard to bring that flavor to all families who care about good food and healthy eating. Oregon Dungeness Crab, the flavor of Oregon. 
Hi, Dina. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you, Chris? It's good to all see right. you How, all these years. What, I'm going to guess was the last time. It couldn't have been Bamboo Sushi the last time we saw each other on, on Alberta. No, we ran into each other at Chicha when I was having a meeting with them to do some photography for them. Oh. Were, I think you were going to do a PFA there. Or right. Indiana. Yeah. And Dina, yes, we did. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. See, my memory's so bad. I should remember that. That was a nice oh, moment yeah. that we ran into it each was. other there. Yeah, yeah. we Serendipitous. never got to do. We never got to do that event. That was another uh, sort of um, pandemic problem that I ran into yeah. in terms of events. And then we had a chef we were collaborating with in New York City, who just wasn't as reliable as we would have liked to have him to have been. So we never got to do yeah. that. I hope you got to do whatever project you were working on when we ran into each other. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite photos, actually. I love them. The Chicha oh, photos. Good. I'd love to yeah. I'd love to see them and then and you know Alex is www.dinaavila.com. <laughs> all right. We're all done. We got everything we needed to do right off the bat. So um <laughs> No. Um, see you later. That's, uh, yeah, no. Take care. I'll see you in another couple of years. But no, uh, that's, that's a good thing. You've got, you are an incredible photographer. And I met you when you were kind of an amateur, I would think, right? It was, it's okay to, ref, to refer to you in that way at that time, correct? You were. As what? Well, you, were, you weren't really a professional photographer. When I met you, you were trying to make the decision to go that direction full time. Well. Kinda. I mean, I, I, you know, I went to school for photography or photo communications, so more photojournalistic style. It was more that I kind of switched my path a little bit. I shifted gears and started doing food photography. And then it was, um, yeah, when we met, I was trying to decide to make the leap to being full-time instead of part-time. So it was more quitting my day job. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's job. a big that's a big leap. Yeah. It's a little risky. Um you never uh-huh. know what's coming down the pike. I mean, I was offering yeah. you I remember um what it, way back when when I was actually doing events in Portland, you came and shot them and you were kind mm-hmm. enough to put them together in a blog and I love that you eventually said, "Listen, I don't I like shooting these, but it's kind of hard after a while to write about the food and the events uh, and get creative and interesting without using the same words over and over again. And I know that. Did I about, say that? Are you sure that's me? Yeah, I think that was you. I, think I feel like was it was, I was just getting really busy, which was wonderful. And I just, well, that too. Yeah. I'm sure that was part of it. Like I don't have time to write this stuff. So, um, I so, have to then, actually like deal with this cat. So he, he's he's going to yell at us the whole time. So hold that's on. <laughs> deal with the Give cat. Take care, always take care of the cat and the dog. Yeah, he needs to be under his blanket. Go on, kitten. Oh, he's being if, a punk. If, Never mind. If if we were a little further in, I would suggest we take this pause to do a commercial message. But we're not far enough in yet. We'll we'll have Sorry to do that. Sorry about that. that. Hashtag oh, perfect. It's, you know, I think everybody's gotten used to it now. We're no longer in a studio recording this. We're doing that. We do this remotely. So I appreciate your coming to me with sun behind you. As a matter of fact, here we are actual yeah. spring and uh, yeah, I'm, fe- I'm feeling it. Although I saw some snow in the forecast. So 
There you go. A little bit <laughs> of uh, Portland tease. So, yep. um, so you made the full time. That was so. Let's yeah. go back. That was probably around what 2011. I'm thinking yep, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have been working since I was 15 and a half in crappy job after crappy job after crappy job. Um, you know, you just, I kind of grew up with that work. I think you work no matter what, doesn't matter what, just as long as you're working. And, um, so it was really hard to make that leap. It was really, really hard to make that leap. Uh, I, you know, I didn't grow up with a camera. I didn't grow up with, you know, creative family, like, um, you know, my parents are, well, my dad's an immigrant, but, um, it was hard. It was hard. And, uh, at the time, Joni Cabana, who's a photographer here in Portland, and actually she lives in John Day now, I think she was my mentor and she kept on pushing me. She's like, just, just make the leap and the universe will provide, just make the leap. And so I did. What were you shooting for her to see to, for her to encourage you to make that leap? Well, I was shooting a lot for Eater PDX, which was great, working with Aaron De Jesus, who is the mm-hmm. best editor in the world. Um, and I also had a food blog, believe it or not. That was how I taught myself um, how to style food, how to light food, although at the time it was just natural light. but um, So I was cooking in our tiny little apartment on Northeast Cooch. And our little studio, and I was cooking, and I was styling, and I was shooting, and that's how I learned how to make food look beautiful, and how to, you know, at the time I was just working with natural light. Now I don't work with natural light at all unless I have to. But, and you know, she was seeing that work. It was on that little food blog, which is defunct. So if you go look for it, guys, it's gone. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and so is all the stuff that we did. I don't know if you have some of the that photography, but I can't even access all my old events because i've changed websites and probably didn't back a lot up and and thought you know after a while i thought oh god i got so many event shots how many more do i need and so (laughs) they are probably in my archives somewhere oh that would be that would be kind of nice to uh to bring those back to life but at at any rate so what what got you interested was it basically it was there for you in your kitchen to shoot food um as opposed to maybe wildlife and going out and doing what got you into shooting food? Um, Oh, well, actually, I mean, I've always loved food. You know, I read a lot of food magazines and um, I'd often would just like go through food and wine and think about how to do things differently or how they shot it. Just try to figure that out. And then I was working for, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I was working for whole foods on, um, on Burnside, the Laurel Hearst store, and they asked me to shoot some food for some online advertising, I think, at the Laurel Hearst Theater. I was like, sure, why not? So I did it in my kitchen, and it just, like, it just, everything clicked. Like, it just sort of stoked the fire, or it started, ignited the fire, rather. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's where it all started. And I made those pictures and they loved them. I, I never went to the movies because I didn't want to see them on the big screen. I was so like scared that they were just crap. Um, I even remember what I shot, like bread and sandwiches and maybe cupcakes or something. Um, and, <laughs> sorry, and the birds are here. Yeah, so they well, I think that was your cat telling um, you, don't, don't disparage yourself. It was worth going to yeah. see in the theater. I know. I kind of, I wish I had. I wish I had. And then I took a food photography class from Lara Ferroni, who no longer lives here, but that was up in Seattle. 
Um, and it just, just went from there. Everyone at the class was like, you need to start a food blog. You need to start a food blog. So, you know, that was the, the high, the, the days of food blogs, you know, now it's just like overly saturated market, but, um, yeah. Well, no, no one's and really. So I doing, started Leak Soup. That's what it was called. We're doing podcasts now instead of food blogs. Every, it annoys me when someone that's just true. calls me a blogger. I mean, I never really even did that. I had a website, that, but at any rate, en- enough yeah, about me. Yeah. I want to talk about you. So, did you? <laughs> so, when you made the um, when you made the leap, did you, it seemed to me that you got busy pretty fast? That there were a lot of it's a. It's kind of a small world in Portland. Once somebody yeah. loves you, they're going to refer you to somebody else. And it, I would imagine it's kept you pretty busy from 2011 till now, can you, correct? Can you repeat that? I said I would imagine that the network that you created early on, and it's, it's uh-huh. perpetuated itself, has kept you pretty busy from 2011 to now. Yeah. I mean, it was like, again, I was shooting for Eater PDX a lot. And so I was shooting all the restaurants in town as they opened. And I remember Erin had sent me, she wanted fresh photography for some restaurants that had been open for a while. So, you know, I was getting to meet like everybody. Um, And that really helped a lot. And when I made the leap, I just sent out an email to everybody I knew and just like, hey, I no longer have a day job. <laughs> Hire me, please, to make photos. And um, and some did. So I would imagine it didn't hurt for your, you know, to, you to be credited on Eater at the time. I mean, everybody was in the food world was looking at yeah. what you were doing. Yeah, I think so. I think it helped a lot. Eater has been really, really good to me. I know a lot of people don't have good things to say about Eater, but... Um, maybe not a lot of people, some people, um, a few, but Eater's been good to me. It's been really good to me. So, and I shoot a lot for eater.com now. Um, a couple of years ago, Aaron and I did this big project called the great eater camp out, which was so much fun, just full food lifestyle shoot, pretend camping. Um, and then, uh, one of their editors, Rebecca Marks hires me a lot to shoot for their eater at home series that they started during the pandemic. So Ivy Manning makes the food, and then I either pick her up, pick it up, or deliver it, or we shoot at her house. Yeah, and I just do all the styling and shoot it. So it's fun. Very nice. How did you learn the, yeah. the styling end of it? That's different than just shooting. Lighting and styling yeah. is uh, is a little more complicated than grabbing a phone and just doing food shots or even a Nikon or Canon. I think I it was the Canons? food blog. I'm a Nikon girl. Always a Nikon right. girl. Because everyone shoots cannon, so it's the it's the punk rock, the punk in me. I can't I can't do what everyone else is doing. It's just my oh, cool! I get to think of myself as a punk photographer when I use an actual <laughs> camera. Sure, good Nikon all the way. Um, it was the food blog that taught me food styling. So I yeah I would like just scour antique markets, you know, thrift stores, and get funky dishes. And I've got like a huge bag full of tarnished silverware because that was the thing back then. Um, and that's how I learned to style. I think I have a pretty good aesthetic, and I do enjoy it. I am not a food stylist, people. So if you want to do a big shoot with me, let's hire a stylist. Let them do mm-hmm. their job. So, But I help. I mean, it's my sets are very collaborative. It's not like you do your thing, you know, I do my thing. It's just like I love it being a very t- a team effort. So 
um, is, so is there anything that is there anything that you're not loving about photography? Maybe the the business side of it, the accounting side of it. Um, um, I don't know. I mean, it's you. I'd rather be shooting than hustling, but you know, you got to hustle. So, I you know, I have an accountant, so I don't have to do that part. <laughs> the marketing part, I hate the marketing part. The marketing part's probably the um, the hardest part. Honestly. Is that something you, you generally do when you feel you need to, or you just try to be disciplined and keep it going, knowing that you got to keep yourself out there? And by the way, just bylines are marketing too. So you yeah, get that marketing. done. Right. Everything's marketing and PR. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's everything. You, you do it all the time. You do everything all the time. You know, it's Instagram, it's LinkedIn, it's Pinterest, it's, sending out newsletters, it's direct emails, it's, you know, maybe being on source books if you want, um, which is another podcast. Um, it's networking. Well, let's do that. Do you do, are you doing TikTok now? Because I'm finding it no. very hard for me to say, okay, I'll do one more damn thing when I know it's what everybody's doing now. But, you I know, know, I remember it's- criticizing Instagram when it started, like, I'm not getting into this. So. Yeah, no, I haven't even been on it. I don't have it downloaded. <laughs> I I see Same. enough of it on Instagram to be honest. I think I, TikTok is like going to have is ha, has so many problems right now. Like who knows if it's going to be banned or restricted or what because the Chinese I guess is stealing all of our information. Um so I'm just going to hang out with Instagram, which I have problems with too, but uh it's what we've got. Right yeah, now. it is. It, and I, as I said, I remember the days when I thought I'm just not doing this. And then personally, I mix a little food in with, you know, for my business, but mostly it's a yeah. personal thing with my doggy and landscape. And, but I grew it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you. I got to look at your Instagram, but I now, but, um, I grew it when you could do it before the algorithms just decided to fuck everybody. So I think I got up over 11,000 followers. Oh, wow. That would be very, that would be impossible now. Not only that, I've gone down. So I, I've over the last couple of years, I posted my face and I lost like seven followers or something. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, geez, guys, way to make a girl feel good. Like, well, that's oh, very. That's what she looks like I don't want to follow her anymore. Oh, that's bullshit. No, no, that would only help. I actually had a fun conversation with my girlfriend last night on how she. I had to go back three years to see my face on her Instagram, and now I know exactly yeah, why I'm she didn't want to lose followers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I gotta. I gotta change things. So I put my face on there just to see. Yeah. Well, I'm also I testing th- the algorithm. I think so. I've known you probably 13 years, and I don't think you've changed much at all. You, there's nothing there to look at your complexion. I don't know if, it, but oh. your neck is like perfectly smooth, and you look great. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, seriously, <laughs> it's dark I mean, in here. I'm a silhouette. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how to like. I use a lot of face creams and oils. Well, then that was just for me because <laughs> we're not taking this video anywhere other than the two of us. So I appreciate it. I showered for you. So uh, it's one of the things that you post pandemic, you learn, well, at least for the podcast, I'll take a shower and put on a real shirt. 
So uh, yeah, it's the business just from to, the waist up. <laughs> ex- yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. but I care. I cared enough. Not everybody do I actually go out of the way and take a take a shower. <laughs> Thank but it's, you, Chris. It, I appreciate that. Yes, well, it also gets me up a little bit. I, I woke up a little late. Yeah, today, true. later than true. usual. So yeah, um, it was one of those mornings. Yeah. I don't know why, because it's it's nice. We're finally at the well, we're finally at the apex. Time change hangover. Do you have time change hangover? The people who complain about that hour, I just don't understand. Um, I don't have it. I mean, <laughs> so you lose an hour, you know, big deal, and you get it back. I, well, it shifts I do your, hope circ- we- your circadian rhythm a bit. Like your melatonin kicks in later because it sunsets later, so it throws everything off a little bit. Yeah, but that happens anyway, gradually. I mean, the sun sets at well, 4.30 yeah. and then gradually it was 6.30. All yeah, well, it's like I guess so. taking a boat to France or flying to France. If you take a boat, you're probably not going to have jet lag. <laughs> that's true. So that, well, that's a nice little segue. What, uh, yeah. what are you, do you, have you done a bit of international travel? Lately? No. no at all. No. In your oh, life yeah. to, not, to not expand like, your photography horizons or your personal horizons? More more personal, cultural horizons. I've been to a few countries. Um, I've been to the Azores, where my family is from, um, which I think that may be our next trip, because um, I think there's still a house in the village that my dad grew up in that I could stay. So that's really good. Um, and I've been to Scotland twice, because we love it. Ireland, um, France. I went to France. That was my graduation present to myself. I spent a month in France by myself. Oh, um, very nice. That's a good place yeah, to do that. That's about it. So, do you? We're, we're do actually. You remember, we, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Oh, we're we've been watching old Bourdain episodes to decide where we want to go next. We were going to travel this last fall, but then we bought the house, and so that kind of changed everything. I just, that's funny. I just started two days ago picking up (coughs) Bourdain again for the first time since his death. And uh, it makes me sad to watch. Yeah, It's hard to watch them and not Mm -hmm. think, you know, (sighs) know, I've been through depression before, so I kind of know a little bit about that. But man, talk about someone who had everything just, it looked like it was, you know, the ideal job that everybody would love, and it's sad to watch. But it is a great way to decide where to travel. I also find Rick yeah, Steves mm-hmm. to be really good for that too. So uh, somewhere yeah. between Rick Steves yeah. and Anthony Bourdain, there's a lot. Those are great sources for that too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so, I, my theory is that he didn't actually take his own life. He just withdrew, and he's living in Hanoi, his favorite place. So. Oh, so he's doing the Andy Kaufman thing. Yes, he just disappeared. So that would be awesome, but I uh, yeah, who knows? I know it's so sad, but I I really enjoy watching him. And I mean, is was there a cooler person than Anthony Bourdain? Every time I watch him, there's there's nothing he says or does that isn't cool, (coughs) and he doesn't. He's not trying. He he was he wasn't trying. He was just being himself. And I just watched the Vietnam episode. Where he handled, uh-huh. you know, that segment with, with Barack Obama so well. I mean, anybody would generally get a little nervous. But Barack put him at ease, too. So he's yeah. he's a pretty cool character, the two of them together. So. That's a fact, yeah. 
Um, uh, so Portland, how has that been treating you and how, how did your business do through the pandemic? Um, well, uh, (laughs) pandemic was kind of some lost years for me. I mean, I worked for sure, but it was, you know, thank God for what was it? The PPP money. Um, it was rough. It was really rough. Self-isolating is, it's, it's, it's a shitty thing. You know, um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because there's me and maybe you included and a number of people like we're just, I I like to call myself a social introvert. I'm social when I'm with people, but you know, I'm comfortable when I'm alone. I'm happy when I'm alone. And I think, I'm still having a hard time emerging from that because it just sort of got concentrated having to self isolate, you know? And so like, we don't go out to eat as much. I mean, we're, we're starting to go out and it's not like a fear thing. I am not afraid of COVID. I'm fully vaxxed and boosted. And I actually think a little exposure is, at this point is probably a healthy thing just to mm-hmm. keep your immune system. I mean, you know, just all the kids going back to school, getting sick is testament to that. Um, it's just more used to not going out, you know? So, um, did that, has that, um, put a crimp in your business? It's put a crimp uh, for me on the podcast. Getting uh guests is not what it used to be. I used to be out and about and say, Hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast. And that would happen. And now we've got this crop of new chefs that I don't know. And I'm yeah. not at their necessarily at their restaurants because I'm not going out as much. I get used, to, and then plus I'm removed for the right, most part. I'm, I used yeah. I used to be there a couple of days a week, and now I'm in Portland, maybe one mm-hmm. day every week or two, and I only get out that much. But at any rate, did yeah. it? Um, there probably wasn't a lot of work, right? Because I don't think restaurants or your your clients were no. thinking, "Oh, we got to get this project done while we can't serve anybody." No, I mean, the, I, I, you know, I really don't know when it started picking up again. Um, I can't remember that whole, those two and a half years, I guess. It's just kind of a blur. Uh, when people start, restaurants started, like, I hate to use the word because it was so overused, but started pivoting and trying to figure out how to, you know, navigate the pandemic. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, and also getting PPP money, which helped. That's when I started getting more calls and interest, you know, like, so, and started shooting for people. But I was scared shitless. So I, I, w- I was afraid to die, honestly. I was really scared. And Adam has, you know, allergic asthma. So stuff goes into his lungs. And so, like, if I brought it home and he got sick, like, it could have been really, really bad. So I was okay, just, well, not okay, but, you know, it was, it was what I had to do just to stay safe was just to stay home. So, and you had him, so you weren't completely alone too. No, which was, no, we had uh, each other. So, and we're best friends. So that's great to hear you say that after, uh, how many years has it been now? It's been a few years. Uh, 15, we've been together 15 years, married for 10. We just celebrated 10 in June. So it's the same as it always, it's always been. Thank you. That a not a lot of people can say that after ten or fifteen years. So congratulations, that's fantastic. Thank you. And um, Thank you. you know, I I uh, will say, you know, you go through the pandemic without someone you love. It would have been it. You know, it was 
that much more isolating. So yeah, I know. Good, I know. Good that you've had that and uh, yeah. a supportive relationship too. So mm-hmm. um, is it has it picked up to pre pandemic levels for um, you? It started. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> it that, started picking okay. up right after we stopped masking. And mm-hmm. um, so last, for me at least, um, last whatever it was, March or April, is when she finally uh, removed the mask mandate. And it just literally everything shifted again. So I don't know if it's pre-pandemic. I mean, it's photography. It ebbs and it flows. So like anything else, I guess, freelancing. Um it's been a little quiet lately, and I've heard that's across the board for our industry. Um, you know, and I think Portland's reputation, which we need to work on, is not helping. You know, small businesses. We're in the new. You know, we're in the news all the time for all the bad stuff, and I don't even want to talk about that anymore. I'm so tired of talking about it and focusing on it. But I think that doesn't help at all. So. No, it hasn't, you know, and it's it's, hurting it's small sad. Businesses. Yeah, it's really hurting small businesses. And look what's going on downtown. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure you saw just yesterday we got the email that Chico clo- is, has closed. Did you, are you aware of that? No, I didn't look at the news yesterday. I had to take yeah, a break. Well, it, was just an e- it was just an email from them. But that's, you know, those things are very yeah. sad. We're We're missing... Uh-huh. As time goes on, you know, we're missing what made us an awesome yeah. food culture. It's still good. It's still collaborative, but it's not what it was without some of the, I mean, yeah. you know, and uh, Andy Ricker's gone, Gorham's gone, Vitaly. I know people who listen to this podcast have heard me go over this yeah. over and again, yeah. over and again, but a lot of the key people who made this an incredible scene. I'm very happy that Greg Higgins is still keeping it going. And I know uh-huh. Lisa Schroeder is doing everything she can in the middle uh-huh. of a tough zone down there. Um, you know, I, I commend her uh, for yeah. going on TV all the time, promoting Portland restaurants. It's great. So, so that yeah. leads me to ask a question and, and I'll disclaim this before you answer it that you can't possibly think of everybody in response to this question, but do you have any particular chefs uh, in Portland that you've enjoyed shooting photography uh, the most? Uh, are there any that come to mind who've been particularly, maybe even great subjects socially and great subjects visually for you? Oh, gosh, that's tough. Um. Well, Gregory Gorday is always a pleasure to shoot, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been shooting him for, I mean, it's since the beginning with Eater. He was like one of my first portraits. I'd have to think on that. It's oh, like, that's okay. It's like when somebody asks you, where should I eat in Portland? Your, your mind just goes blank. Uh, I don't know. Oh, no. And the first thing I say is, what do you like? And uh, are you going to go? Here's the other thing. Are you going to go if I spend time giving you suggestions? This is one of my pet peeves is when people, Uh uh, and even people I don't know who just see me on Twitter or wherever and say, where should I go to eat? And uh, 
my pet peeve is when I take time to give them a list and here's great. If you like this, go here, go this. And then you follow up and, uh, Hey, where did you go? I was curious. Where'd you end up going? Oh, Portland city grill. That's where my aunt told me we should go. And so (laughs) as long as they're still kicking, go, you know, more power to Portland city grill. Um, I, I don't even know who owns them anymore, but it's not, they're not like a local restaurant. And I used to oh, always say, if, not, you're, oh. if you're going to go there, well, they were owned out of Seattle at the time. But oh. if you're going to go there, go to Departure. That's what I used to say. But mm-hmm. I don't know the lay of the land as much mm-hmm. anymore either. Who's there? Um, yeah. So I haven't shot a chef in a while, I feel like, except for Gregory when he won um, Best New Restaurant for Eater. Um, I got to think about that. Sorry. Put a pin in it. That's okay. See if anything. Have you, I'm, I have to look at my website. Look at the portraits that I've shot. <laughs> let, I'll tell you what. Let's once again mention your website. We'll drive people there and let them decide what they like better. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, but, so you can mention your website one more time in the middle of someone didn't oh, hear really? it earlier. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's my first and last name. D-I-N-A-A-V-I-L-A. So... Com. And same same with your Instagram too, correct? D- yeah, it's got my middle initial though, Dina R. Avila. Okay. It's Avila, folks, not Avila. It's Avila. If you want to know now, this is how you pronounce my name. Well, you know it because you've got the accent over the A. So yes. having yeah, taken a little Spanish a in my ago. life. I'm glad you did yeah. because, you know, as this podcast came up, I find I know people well, and if I never say their name, uh, right. you have mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, it's like when my kids were growing up, I loved when they mispronounced words because that meant they were reading them and not hearing them. And so, right. that was a good mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. so, um, so have you, I uh, did you shoot, did you do, it was Gregory or his restaurant? Because I think it's a beautiful restaurant it and was- his, his dinnerware is so beautiful i guess he got some beautiful i guess he got some from um his sponsor i get i'm guessing from what i read i gleaned that someone uh william sonoma helped him with that Um, nice nice um i shot uh it was food and it was a little bit of the space it was uh, a little bit of service stuff but um I don't like shooting during service. I got to tell you, it's not my favorite thing. I try not to do it as much as possible. I think it's intrusive. And Gregory, I don't think was into it either because we need to use a flash and I'm not going to flash people while they're eating. I don't think people who are out, I'm sorry, I'm going on a little rant right now, but I don't think people who are eating out necessarily want their picture taken. Um, Yeah, no. And then, all right. Like can I tell intrusive. you a little story? You'll have sure. you'll have you'll find this entertaining. I think. So you know, early on, Allison Jones was the first one mm-hmm. to shoot my events, and yeah. some really cool stuff. I needed it. Then you came along, mm-hmm. and then somewhere along, Kate, Katie, a chef, came along. I actually found her. So I don't think she would argue with me that I I put a, a Craigslist thing out looking for a photographer. She was in college. But somewhere along the way, a a friend of mine who shall remain nameless had a husband who shot and they came to, I said, okay, come. And I think they came to departure. I'm not sure, but they shot the, the event I did at June. You remember June where, um, what's the name of it now? 
uh, oh, on, where Kevin um, Gibson is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, my brain. I don't know what it's, it's called. It's terrible. Now. I know what it's called. But anyway, so he came and he shows up with all these lights and, and oh, right. uh, everything. And oh, I know who. He, you I do? I think I can guess, maybe. Anyway, well, you on, can tell on. me later. I don't want to go into it. I don't think you'd know this guy. But at any rate, oh, okay. he came with lights and he came with releases. So he wanted to pass out releases to everybody right up front. And I get that. I suppose I understand that. But um, but I said, you can't do this and you can't be walking around with lights. It reminded me a little of uh, Albert Brooks's movie, Real Life, where they had the helmet cams and they were in everything all the time and just intrusive. But so, yeah. you know, one Black of the things that you, that you did well and Allison did well and Katie did so well is you were all stealth. I just said, yeah. I, no one should know you're here. Take pictures, eat. And just mm-hmm. just to get a couple of images, so um, yeah. push that, that ISO worked. as high as you can get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, and it was great. I would love to see some of those old shots. They're probably listen. Most of the people that we did events with, and also I had on the podcast nine years ago, are not around any longer. It's kind of sad. Um, are there any that you're any? that you shot that you're particularly were sad to see closing and then leaving the area that you knew pretty well. Do you have any, are there any chefs other than Gregory who you might call friends, <laughs> good friends? Um, uh, I mean, I feel like they're all my friends, you know, I love them That's all. What I they're, thought like, they're my people. They're, they're my family. So, um, I mean, I hang out with Jeffrey a lot, Morgan Fowler. <laughs> he's not a chef, but I could, you know, mm-hmm. he's a good friend. Former neighbor. We used to be neighbors. Um, I love Pacific Standard. It's like his bar. I miss Clyde Common so much, but I think Pacific Standard is is a great, great place. Um, yeah, I don't know. Good. I'm only asking you this so you can help me get some podcast guests. Oh, so, um, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, just, I, I, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm serious about like going up and talking to Jane at Dame. She's doing a lot of amazing stuff. At oh, yes. So. I want to do that. And what she's doing is really awesome. And talk about uh-huh. pivoting. She's pivoted, 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 moved around and changed <laughs> the angle and turned the kaleidoscope. So, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that will happen um, once I get back from a little trip. Or at least I'll contact her. I can't guarantee she's going to want to come on the podcast. Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and talk about Oregon Dungeness Crab. It's a favorite dish at holiday gatherings, special occasions, or just when you're in the mood for the sweet, delicate deliciousness you can only get from Oregon's tastiest crustacean. It's harvested sustainably from Oregon's cold, clean coastal waters and is available now at your favorite seafood retailer or restaurant. Oregon Dungeness serves up equally as an appetizer or an entree and lends itself to both down home and white tablecloth cuisine. And it's also as nutritious as it is tasty. We know it's tasty. A three ounce portion of cooked meat has 19 grams of protein and contains important minerals and amino acids. It's low in both fat and calories as well as cholesterol and carbohydrates. That's important to me. Yeah. And rest assured, the fishermen are not just delivering a delicious 
and healthy product. They're also taking care of natural resources for future generations. Visit OregonDungeness.org for information on preparing your favorite crab dish and learning more about the fleet. So go ahead and crack the mystique. Oregon Dungeness Crab, the flavor of Oregon. What else do you enjoy doing other than photography? Um, <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, now that we have a yard gardening, actually, um, digging in the ground, we have there's a million shrubs here because Adam's grandfather was really into shrubs. So right now we're just removing things, but um, I'm gonna I'm working on building this garden and and hopefully incorporating that into my photography, um, you know, sharing and the your stuff life, that I could. And, and your lifestyle and your kitchen too, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a name for it, but, um, maybe it's the ingredients kitchen or something like that. But so gardening, uh, I read a lot. Um, avid reader. I knit, what can, believe it or not. What do you like to, <laughs> what, what do you like to read? Oh, I like to read all kinds of things. Like I'm actually reading a book right now. <laughs> I don't know if I should say it on the podcast. Um, it's I don't know if I can explain what it's about, but it's it's nonfiction. It's kind of a medical book. It's called Vagina Obscura. Ladies, I highly recommend you buy that book. It's fascinating. Okay, um, <laughs> dare I dare I ask what you could highlight uh, out of that book that makes it fascinating just, for you? It's it's about how you know women's uh, organs, specifically the vagina, is kind of hasn't been studied. Um, it's you know most studies are done on men, and um, there we don't know a lot about our vaginas, and the medical community doesn't either. And um, so she's trying to change that with this book. That's basically it, I guess. Oh, that's interesting. I would think hey, it would man. be good for men. It would be a good. Uh, yeah. Read for men too. We That's need true. to know more. Absolutely, well, absolutely. We don't necessarily need to know more, but it wouldn't hurt, I suppose. No, it would not hurt. Good. Well, I thought you said when when you started to say I'm reading night right now. I thought you meant you were reading while we were doing this. Were, no, no, when, on the nightstand. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I have better. a bunch of books that I'm reading right now that I've I've got stacked over there. So. Oh, good. Well, women are better multitaskers than men, so it wouldn't surprise me that you were actually turning pages while you were doing this. And, uh, <laughs> actually, no, I'm I'm very singularly focused. I can't I can't do too many things at once at all. Can you can you uh, can you work in post doing some editing with a lot of music? Is do you like to do you like quiet? Uh, I I can no music is fine, but like I, I can't. Unless I'm just doing some really basic stuff, like I don't really listen to podcasts while I'm working. Um, I've, I'm learning French. That's one thing that I'm doing. So I do listen to French while I'm working because, you know, it's probably good for my brain. So are you are you on an app or are you just listening to French movies no. or French music or? No, I have a teacher. I was studying French for almost three years um, at the Alliance Française um, in Goose Hollow. And that went away with the pandemic. Um, all classes went to Zoom, and I just can't learn on Zoom. I'm, I'm too much of a visual person. I'm too distracted by people's worlds. Mm -hmm. So um, I just can't do it. So I stopped studying, and then I started taking private lessons with one of my teachers just like a few weeks ago, just started it up again. 
That's fantastic. I've been killing myself, beating myself up with Babbel and learning Spanish and then Italian and then back to Spanish. Oh, man, they send me a a notification every morning and I just swipe it away, which is just stupid. Yeah, I don't think those, honestly, those things work. You need to, the only way to learn a language is to speak it. You have to speak it. So I speak French to my cat a lot. (laughs) And then once a week I speak with my teacher, Marie-Pierre, who is from Lyon. And um, I try not to talk to myself, but if I talk to myself, I have to do it in French, if I talk to myself out loud. So, so what? why is it that you want to learn French as opposed to any other language? Um, well, I would love to learn Portuguese, but uh, there's only I can only find Brazilian Portuguese classes on this coast. And... Um, my dad was learning English in the 70s, so he didn't teach us Portuguese, unfortunately. And uh, my mom doesn't speak it. She's, she's, what is she? She's second generation on her side. So she was raised in Hawaii. Um, and I love the French language. It's beautiful. And um, we probably are going to move to Europe at some point or the EU at some point. And I thought it would be useful to have a language. So I chose French. I'm working on getting my Portuguese citizenship, um, which hopefully is coming soon. It's been a year and a half since I applied. But they're Portuguese. This is how things work. (laughs) Was that something that you had in mind uh, long ago? Or is that politically motivated? Or, you know, is that something that you came to decide in the last couple of years? You know, I think it was just, I I realized that I had the opportunity to become a Portuguese citizen because of my dad. And um, that's an opportunity that I shouldn't pass up. And I don't know. I just, I don't know why we decided or started talking about moving to Europe. I think it was just, I think whenever you travel internationally, it's just, it's so broadening and um, to live in a different culture, to experience a different culture, you know, why not? You only live once is pretty much Uh, it. It's like you only live once. So I've thought of it too, but somehow every time I come back, you know, I'm on the coast, I just feel that's a nice base. I don't, I don't know yet whether how I feel about living somewhere else uh, in beautiful Mm -hmm. spot, but yeah, a lot of that has to do with the language. So good for you for, Coming up with it, I had one, I took French in uh, junior high school and high school, and then Mm. Spanish in college, and that's when I met the woman I would marry, so I wasn't paying attention much. (laughs) So the... But I will say this, it's interesting with languages. Um, I did quite a few trips with our friend Jose Chesa um, to to Spain and Barcelona. I miss Jose. Oh, God, I miss There you go. Yeah, good. I'm glad we we got to the point where you, I asked before who you missed, and that's the guy I really, I miss a lot. But he and I, he and I talk a lot. Yeah, I talked to Jose quite a bit. uh, And he calls me out of the blue, which is kind (laughs) of, I I really enjoy that, that the phone rings, and it's just Jose. So but in in becoming friends with him, I got to know his father very, pretty well, not very well. But we traveled a lot. And poor Jose, I don't think he cared, had to translate every single thing that went on between his father and me, which was a shame because I took Spanish. But I just couldn't do it. So long story short, we we were together. uh, Yes. Well, no, Catalan. Catalan. So 
So um, we were together about five days, and we got to San Sebastian, and Jose um, wanted to go to a bookstore. So right downtown at the park, he said, here, I'll meet you here in a couple of hours or an hour. I can't remember what it was. So his father and I were sitting there, and and I had no coverage, so I couldn't use Google Translate, and I'm stuck. We're just sitting there just kind of nodding to each other, and <laughs> after about an hour, somehow my Spanish that I learned in college came back to me, and I was conversing with him because I absolutely had to. I had no choice. It, yeah. was, it was like it was speak or die, and then I found for a whole two days after that, I was actually thinking in Spanish, which I'd never done in my life, not even when I took it. And it well, was you were so cool. By it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but awesome. here's the, it, that was the only experience I've ever had where, oh my God, if you actually immerse yourself, this is what will happen mm -hmm. instead of trying the yeah. hard way. So anyway, um, when you, <laughs> when you get to Portugal, that will happen, I suppose. And then, you know, uh, mm -hmm. our friend Don Barasa, formerly of Yelp. He's living over there oh, yeah. now. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, he's living there. He's he's kind of young for having moved there. Most of the people I know who moved to Portugal are mm -hmm. it's kind of a retirement move because Yeah, it's less but I think Portugal's going to stop that. Are they? Yeah. They don't want Americans anymore? Uh I'm not quite sure what it is. But that's what Adam told me, at least, like the golden key thing. I, th I think that's what it's called. If you got this amount of money, you can move here. I think they're, I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's they going do on. That in, they do that in Spain, but I don't think your citizenship will hurt at all. No. Right? No. So I'm, I'm going to be a Portuguese gonna... citizen because I'm Portuguese and I'm a descendant of Portuguese. So. Right, but that would help yeah. in, in the, all the hurdles you have to go through to oh, actually yeah. move there. Oh, yeah. I'll be a so. member of the EU, so... I can move anywhere in the EU after that. Good. Will you adopt me? <laughs> I have friends in Canada that have agreed to drop me, but that was all during the, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was during the chaos and still chaos, by the way, oh, but yeah. The, the, yeah. the chaos that ensued in 2015. Yeah. Um, but it's, ni it's nice to have friends in high places. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't know what else to ask you. I enjoy, I knew this, I told you, this is just going to be a conversation. Yeah. Oh, I know what I want to ask you. You said you're not going out to eat as much anymore and neither am mm -hmm. I, but yeah. have you discovered any new that. spots? Yeah, I need to uh, change that too. And we should do that together. The four of us go out yeah. and grab a bite. And yeah. I'm not, I'm one who follows through on those sorts of things. So we should do that. You haven't met Renee, I don't think. So, um, mm -hmm. We should do that. But any place um, you've discovered recently that you think is pretty cool that you would tell anybody uh, who asks you what's new? Honestly, I want to go eat Luna's food up at uh, Dame. I forget what her restaurant's called, but um, I saw the menu recently and it's, let's see if I can pull it up real fast. And it's, that, oh, she's right there. Luna Contreras, uh, Cello, Cello PDX. It's the menu how many, just how many how many different things are at Dame now? I don't know. A bunch. A bunch. Yeah. But got, it's they, they, that menu. Yeah. I was like, I, I got to go. And I have a friend coming to town in April. So I think I'm going to take her there. Um, 
Good. Well, that's yeah. still a nice neck of the woods, but talk about there's nothing – there were – uh, you know, and that's one of the most beautiful restaurants too. I think Dame if everybody's beautiful. looking for something yeah. romantic, Dame is a is a great place. Mm-hmm. And then pop uh, across well, the street to Expatriate, which is still one of my favorite bars in Portland. I just we live so far away from it now, so I haven't been in ages. You think you live far away from it? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, but no, it's so nice that that's still open because it absolutely was when people came from out of town always wanted to take him to expatriate and then you were in the neck of the woods with a lot of good stuff right there and so but the whole the whole block is kind of turned over for the most part so yeah it's um, different there's like a weird i don't even know what it is like ramen and game store across the street where that coffee shop was right i think i saw pinball machines or something doc Um, was gone long ago and you know i think the coffee spot is still there. Um, mm-hmm. What's the coffee? What's the coffee spot? I'm, I want to say Ristretto, but it's not Exacto. Exacto still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exacto. Yeah. So, the, and that was always good. I think that was some of the strongest coffee I ever consumed in my life. I used to go <laughs> there to try to write, and then next thing I knew, I wanted to jump through a window. Because <laughs> that's when I started learning to drink a little tea. If I was yeah, in a place like that, I'm a green so. tea girl. You're a green tea girl. Yeah, I can't do anything stronger. Well, good. Well, that's it's good that you realize that because I had I had some rough moments there too. <laughs> so, um, but I still like my coffee, and um, you know, I still love go. I love Proud Mary. Um, it's kind of kind of expensive for me. Did you see that hundred fifty dollar a cup promotion <laughs> that they did? No, yeah. not. For, Talk talk about genius, right? Who would think? So they offered eleven cups in Portland and eleven cups of in, in uh, their new location in Austin of this two thousand dollar a pound coffee for one hundred fifty bucks, and they were sold out. And talk and they were getting press everywhere for a hundred fifty dollar cup. So not only does it does it you know get a lot of press, but it positions them so that they're you know, $20 per 250 kilogram bag of coffee doesn't right. seem like that much after that. So it's like swinging the That's big bag. That's a ton. Wow. I wonder if they like, are they donating some of the money or are they just keeping all the profits? Well, no, they're all about sustainability and paying the growers what they're oh. worth. So that was, that went back to the growers. That's their, um, oh. That's their one of their reasons for being, and what they try to promote is pay, in paying a little more for coffee. Is these people, you know, don't make a lot of money. The people are actually supplying no, this great product for us. So that's great. So I think that, that was an opportunity, and they have some other ones that are uh, fairly expensive too. But you're not a coffee drinker. Do you have a favorite tea place in town? Um. Not really. I mean, I love tea bar. I haven't been in a long time. Tea bar is great. Um, I just drink like, I just, I have like my three cup limit. That's it. So <laughs> it's like really right. low caffeine Japanese green tea from choice. I'm sorry, guys. It's not fancy, but. You know, we don't all have to be fancy. We live in Portland and we think everything's got to be fancy and local and that's great. But every once in a while, you can just enjoy some guilty pleasure that yep. that you'd almost in Portland, you're embarrassed to say I like, but I love Gary the foodie because he'll go out there and tout McDonald's and Domino's with no shame. Oh, God. And, uh, well, yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> 
But I like that, you know, he certainly can't be accused of not supporting the local food scene or, no, or sure. having a, having a palate that has developed, is very developed. But mm-hmm. that's what I love about it. He does, he balances that out with, you know, on a, uh, he, one of his favorite things to do is actually Domino's pizza. I can't go there. I can do McDonald's, but Domino's, I, that I was keep my first job one at Domino's. Yep, I was 15 years old. I, li- I lasted two weeks because it was such a crappy job. Oh, was it, a, was yeah. it local? Where did, yeah, by the way, was, where I, grew did, up, I grew up in a small town in Northern California called Rodeo. Uh, I think we had one streetlight. Um, it's just a refinery town. Oh, I have a claim to fame, actually. Uh, I went to school with the boys of Green Day. So, so Billy Joel and all those cats. Oh, cool. Are you, um, are you friendly with them or can you, have you been to a reunion and seen them? No, I haven't seen them in ages, years and years and years, not since I left the Bay area. So I left the Bay area in 2000. No, that's not too long ago. Uh, but so was Rodeo a really small 23 years ago. (laughs) Right. Well, that's true. You know, God, it goes so fast. I know it does. Um, That's a fact. But, you know, for me, I, you know, I can look back 20 years ago was not, you know, it was a third of my life. Yeah. <laughs> for a lot of people I know, it's, it's half of their lives. So mm-hmm. um, it doesn't seem that I, my, my son turns, uh, my oldest son turns 34 this weekend. Oh, my gosh. And it's nuts. You might have met Austin along the way. I think so. Somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just crazy when you think about, you know, it wasn't long ago. He was a, he was a teenager. So... Hey, Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Hey, Court, I know you love the hats, and I kind of do, too. I always have a hat on. Mm -hmm. For the first time in Ringside's 79-year history, you can get a hat, T-shirt, even an apron for your favorite Ringside fan. Those are available in person on West Burnside. Go to when you, while you're eating, ask for them, or just stop in after what four thirty, I guess. Yeah, this is really exciting for me, Chris. We were talking about this off air, and when you told me this news, I got really excited because uh, a few years ago, I noticed somebody back of house at Ringside wearing a really cool Ringside T-shirt, and I thought. I would like one of those, but you know, it's ringside steakhouse. You wouldn't necessarily think to go there and buy a t-shirt. Now you can first time in 79 years. This is exciting. This yeah. should, this should be headline in the New York times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so take advantage of that. Also take advantage of the three course prime rib dinner that takes place on Mondays. You you've done this. Oh yes. And it used to be Wednesday. So be aware. Cause I yeah. had a friend join me for dinner once and she was expecting Wednesday night prime rib not happening. So, yeah. um, but they do have it available outside of the special on weekends as well. So you can get prime rib with their unbelievable Yorkshire pudding. Um, on those nights but the special is monday night that's the night to do it i was there last night wednesday night it was packed so um but i wasn't packed to the point where you couldn't walk around in the uh the hostess host section 
but it was it was nicely packed, and of course we had an incredible, including a, a meal, including the wagyu, which anybody has to do once at least in their lifetime or more. Once you do it once, you want to do it more, and I have. Uh, don't forget right now because it is Dungeness crab season. You right now on the menu in the in the appetizer section, the chili lime Dungeness crab cake. So get that while you can. Or the crab cocktail was unbelievable. So. I suggest anybody there, if, if you're going with the table, get the crab cocktail and the prawn cocktail and have a, start your meal off the right way, including onion rings, of course. Oh, yeah. Got to do, do that. Got to do that, too. So also, one quick thing, because we've been talking a little bit here. Halibut season starts May 10th, and Ringside will have that on the menu made Chef Jonathan Gill's way after that. So mark that on your calendar and make a reservation. You can do it at ringsidesteakhouse.com or on the Open Table app. When you grew up, was food uh, a part of your life, a big part of your life growing up? What kind of things were you Um, served at home? Well, I, (laughs) that's an interesting question. Um, I grew up, you know, my mom is from Hawaii and also pure Azorian. Um, And so, but you know, Hawaii is, uh, I hate the word melting pot, honestly. So it's just, there's a lot of different, because I feel like it just, takes away the uniqueness of each culture when you say that like it, it it encourages assimilation and i don't like that word either i think everyone should be their unique selves and let's celebrate that um but hawaii is very cultural japanese chinese filipino um hawaiian obviously portuguese and so i grew up with all of that plus food from the 50s because my mom grew up in the 50s so you know it's like there's always rice on the table and there's always french bread on the table for my dad (laughs) and potatoes we always had potatoes um we grew up on fava beans lots of fava beans it's which are my crack i can't wait for may we had a little hill and my dad just had nothing but fava beans out there um my like my uh last meal if i was on death row or something would probably be my mom's spaghetti and meat sauce um you know, stir fries, um, sopage is what we called it, that, which is was, just. Was that ground beef in that meat sauce or was that shredded yeah. beef in that? It was meat? Ground, ground beef. beef. It was ground beef. And she used like uh, one of those spaghetti seasoning packs, like from Shillings or something. One of those mm-hmm. brands from Safeway. Yeah. Totally last meal with garlic bread. I would have to, you know, I can't do gluten, but I'd eat my mom's garlic bread. And that was I with can't the, believe of all the wonderful food you had. That's that's good that you want your mom's. You would want your mom's food. comfort food. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but you've had yeah. you, you've eaten quite a few nice things along the way in your years mm-hmm. in Portland. So mm-hmm. oh yeah, I've um, eaten lots of good food. So yeah, what else did we? Teriyaki stuff, um, teriyaki chicken or whatever. Um, yeah. How big was yeah. your high school? It was really small. It was like 500 students total. Okay. That was well, in, not teeny. That was in Crockett. So, in which Crockett. is a smaller town <laughs> down the road. Um, where the, so if you guys know California, the Bay Area, when you're taking 84, I think, no, that's here. Uh, 
84 is here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it five? Taking five up to, like, you want to go to Napa and you have to go through um, uh, Vallejo and all well, that? Well, there's, one, there's 101 down there, too, that goes through. Yeah, that's, on the, think that's, that's closer through. to the coast. Anyway, so when you're taking the highway to go, you know, to your Napa County wine mm-hmm. <laughs> thing, um, you pass right by where I grew up, but you don't see it. And then when you cross that bridge, the Carquinas Bridge, to go to um, go through Vallejo and go up to Napa and wine country and stuff, you pass Carquinas, or I'm sorry, you pass Crockett, and that's where I went to high school. <laughs> And then what was your journey up here? How did you, how did you land oh, up in, in this well, neck of the woods? Um, I moved to Austin in 2000. I was married to someone else, um, he who shall not be named. Um, and I lived in Austin for five years, and that's where I got my degree and stuff. And then, um, then I moved to Hawaii for a couple years because my dad had prostate cancer and I kind of had a freak out about it and didn't want to be, you know, a nine hour flight away from them. And, um, but Hawaii was not for me. Yeah. I know everyone loves it. It's different when you work there and Mm -hmm. are living and you're like 35 years old and you're living with your parents. Um, different. (laughs) It's not a tropical Mm -hmm. paradise. It's just work. Right. Working at a Starbucks. Um, but I was shooting. I was shooting for local papers and stuff, which was fun. Um, and I was really, really depressed. I was really depressed while I was in Hawaii. I, when I was in Austin, going, you know, I, I had a very stressful period. I was, um, I'm an overachiever. If anyone doesn't know that about me, and I had my senior show, um, and I, my husband was cheating on me. So I was going through a divorce. I had a very, very stressful year, and I developed hypothyroidism, underactive thyroid. And I got it pretty severely, like really bad. Um, you guys can look up the symptoms. But, I mean, it was so bad. Like if I was sitting on the floor, I, it was hard to get up because my bones were aching. So it took a long time to find balance. Um, and it, was just, it just got worse in Hawaii. I was being treated, but it takes a lot of time and trial and error to find the right thyroid medication and the right balance and stuff. Um, and so I was just, I was depressed and I was in my room and I was crying and I was praying to the universe or whoever wanted to listen, like something's got to change where, you know, where do I need to go? What needs to be done? I was just like, I was so miserable and Portland just popped into my head. That's and it? So just popped in? It just popped in. I had been here before once. I came, um, I don't know what year it was, maybe 2003 or something, 2002. It was a totally different Portland then, but I fell in love. I loved it. It was so much fun. I was only here for like a weekend, but <clears throat> I never thought about living here, and it just popped into my head. And so I got online, and... Um, I looked at Whole Foods to see if they were hiring and they were. And I was like, I'm going to go for it. (laughs) You know, I needed a job. And uh, so I slept on it. The next day I told my parents I was moving to Portland. (laughs) And that was 15 years ago, almost to the day, almost to the day. 15. So you, so yeah. Yeah. Or no, 16, 16 years, 16 years. Right. O two and O three is when I fell in love with it. And I just, I uh, noted that you said it was a very different 
place then. I think it was kind of different. It was very different, but it was also, I'm sure back in 1993, you know, oh, yeah. it was really different. So, oh, yeah. um, but so have you been back to Austin to check out what's happened to Austin since then? Yeah, I go back every once in a while. I haven't gone back since the pandemic, but um, I have a whole crew of friends there that I'm still very close to. And um, they, you know, they're all I go back for weddings and births, babies being birthed and whatnot. Um, I, it's changed so much. It's changed so much. And how it is now, I can't even imagine because I know it's, the economy is just booming over there. And there's tons of money being poured into that city. And I don't, I mean, I barely recognized it the last time I was there, you know, like four, maybe four years ago, something like that, five years ago. But, um, yeah, now now with yeah. all the money pouring in from yeah. everywhere and here too, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, just to drive around Portland and just think where where do all these people work? I always wonder that with all those beautiful, incredible houses. There are only so many Blazers players and so many people yeah. who work at Nikon, uh, Nike. Tech. tech, Nike, and Tech. I think that's where all yeah, the money well, comes from. Tech right now isn't doing that well. Hey, no. I'll throw this out there. My no. son is unemployed right now. If anybody knows, he's in quality assurance. If anybody knows, <laughs> touch base with me. Well, I've been trying to get out there and network on his behalf, but uh, mm-hmm. he actually left. He finished a two-year contract and then left and thought, oh, I'm just going to take a few months off. And then before you know it, the market tightened. And he was in for a little bit of a rude awakening. So that'll end. Everything's Mm -hmm. cyclical. Um, So listen, this has been really a pleasure catching up with you, Dina. Thank you for tapping me. Oh, thank you for doing it. I, You know, there was part of me that thought you're maybe not that public a person. But you know what? You you, (laughs) shared it. (laughs) <laughs> I actually have a photography over? coach who made me, I just started working with this guy named Joe Lombardo out of New York and he's amazing. And we were having our session on Monday and I told him that I hadn't responded, that I answered all your questions except the one. about. I know that I, I'm very aware. <laughs> and, and he's like, you're doing it. Just do it. And he's like, you're, and he made me write you back while we were having our session. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah. Joe. That's why I disagree. He must be listening. Thank you, Joe. I'll thank him right now. If he he got this far into the podcast, which I think everybody should have because this last part, I think, has been pretty interesting talking about your past. So, but I really do. I got a past. (laughs) Yeah. So, and the other thing is, this is always, I think... This podcast, first of all, for me, it's always nice because you and I haven't had a chance to sit down and chat. Last time we ran into each other, it was literally with four other people around us just having a quick talk, and that's Mm -hmm. it, and we didn't get together. So it gives me an opportunity to spend an hour with you and others that I normally wouldn't get to do, so I give credit for that. But I also think, you know, from a business standpoint, it's not a bad idea if... For you, either for your friends or your clients to say, Mm -hmm. look, here, listen to this. I've always thought that's the case, but who knows? Um, And I hope that it's something you can use in that regard uh, going forward. And just Um, I love to make photos. I like to make foodoos. Hey, I just created a new word. (laughs) Right, foodoos. 
That actually, I hope you use that from here. (laughs) At some point, you find a way to use that. Oh, I will. And (laughs) also, you know, because we had some technical difficulties in the beginning, I moved my my laptop here. So I'm without my cell phone. And sometimes I just pop a little photo of you with my cell phone. But I realize I can ask you for a headshot and you can come up with a pretty nice one of yourself that you're happy with that you can send me at some point. So, or you can take a selfie right now. I was going to take a picture, but for some, oh, there we go. Where are we? Okay. We're laughing and having a good time. Oh, we are. (laughs) But I really only wanted you. So, uh, you, you're laughing and having a good time. So, um, you you know, this is fine. Yeah. Send me this one. But if you have one (laughs) of you that's square, because that's what we need for the thumbnail is a little is a square shot. I'll send you the one that I just posted on Instagram that apparently people seem to like. So fantastic. So we have that. That's my most. uh, All right. Well, great. And, uh, you know, let's catch up again sometime either with mics in front of us or without. But let's let's definitely make a point of going out and grabbing. I'm actually. Yeah. And, you know, this just came into my head this morning as I was part of my morning routine is um, journaling. Um, I was thinking about starting a little group like almost like a supper club of um, just for creatives, not just not just photographers, but just. Writers, photographers, people who create, people who are half the time are stuck, you know, behind a screen and just aren't, you know, who are still self-isolating just because of work, um, just so we can talk. And it, not like a stitch and bitch at all. I don't want to, like, complain about Portland or, you know, talk shit about the industry, but just where we can connect and just bullshit, maybe inspire and so uplift. Love- each other. I would so love to be a part of that because if you can imagine, not that I mind the beach and my mm-hmm. dog, but a lot of my life is pretty is- isolated these exactly. days. And yeah. and I don't, you know, I do, you know, I have a girlfriend, so I have that, but I'm, I'm not socializing like I used to. I don't even do my mm-hmm. events. Once a month, I would get together with 40 people at a great restaurant and that was something I miss. I'll get to do yeah. that again, but there are cer- certain reasons I haven't kicked up Portland Food Adventures events yet. I love my oh, trips. There's still like Those residual stuff from the yeah. There's still residual stuff from from the pandemic and from being shut down for so long that that I think is still out there. So just well, it's not only that. It is that a little bit. But when I talk to chefs about doing events, first thing they indicate is that it's hard for them to plan something four months from now when they don't know what the labor situation is going to be like at their restaurant. So they have that. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to bother. I don't want to, I never wanted to be a burden to anyone. I wanted to make it fun and something that chefs wanted to do and saw benefit in and, and got to stretch a little bit and do things they'd never done. I mean, with Carlo, I don't know if you were at that, but we did his first we oh, d- we did his great. first Filipino dinner at Clyde at, at the Ace Laundry. Is that what it's called? Yes. You next should do to a podcast Clyde. with Carlo. He's doing some amazing stuff. Well, I've asked him. He's busy He's all busy. over the place. He's but really we'll busy. get him. Yeah. We'll I'll get him. That's for sure. One I would do in a heartbeat. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd make time right now to do one with Carlo. But yeah. we did his first Filipino dinner. It's one of the things I'm kind of I I can't say proud of, but that I'm really 
gratified about is we did the first Filipino dinner. Anybody who doesn't want to listen because this is about me all of a sudden, but um, we did the first <laughs> Filipino dinner with him when he was at Clyde Common not doing Filipino food. And he said, can I serve a Filipino menu? And I was like, sure, this is all about you. You do what you want to do. We did. I found out after the fact that when I did an event at Padi, and I think you were there, if mm-hmm. I believe. I was. I was. Earl told me afterwards that was his first go at the model for what Longbon would look like. Would be. Oh, like. cool. Did you know that? Cool. We were at the no, first Longbon. Yeah. And so, you know, first ox dinner, a uh, lot of wow. cool stuff. So mm-hmm. I just wanted people to want to do this. And here's right. the other part of it. You know, the, you know, one of the, uh, the cool things about Portland Food Adventures dinners was that we give out gift certificates to chefs' favorite places. And those were Mm -hmm. promotional gives from them because restaurants saw value in, uh, you know, Gregory and uh, Gabby Denton suggesting this is a great place to go. That was the whole model. It was a great idea. And it still is. But I don't really want to ask anybody for that because two things. I don't want to ask them for free stuff anymore right Right. now anyway and i also think that the the diners that would come to my events who were more savvy than most don't necessarily want to use them they they don't feel comfortable walking into a restaurant and plunking down forty dollars worth of gift cards yeah when they know the restaurant is kind of hurting and so uh, i'm waiting for that to kind of to find my way there are other ways too and i'll figure it out Mm -hmm. but anyway yeah I'm sorry. I, I, I may even cut all that out. I may say to court, just cut out that last bit. But, yeah. but let, me, let me say this. One of the true, uh, I, I said, you know, having this podcast and having you is a treat. And it was a treat to get to know you, you way back when, when we were doing these events. And, and yeah, you know, we have you a were, history. Yeah, we have a little <laughs> bit of history. So that's why I was discussing that to say this is why we're not doing it again. But I'll tell you what, when we do do it again, I'd love to have you just come. You don't need to bring your camera. Just come. <laughs> maybe we'll have a reunion. Maybe we'll have a reunion. We can't have Allison Jones anymore. Have you followed her? Oh, no, she's. Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to buy one of her paintings. Her work is beautiful. I know. And, beautiful. and talk about. I've never seen an artist who's so. Uh, tuned into marketing herself yeah she's Holy really shit. good at it i'm i'm very impressed with it her social media yeah. yeah yeah but yeah her and work she's is beautiful hap- i love it I love her work it. is beautiful and she's moved around the country a little bit you know one of those things mm-hmm. like how could someone leave portland i remember thinking that and now yeah, i don't th- i never think that any longer when someone leaves <laughs> yeah well maybe i'll <laughs> see you at my supper club when i figure it out but um i'm gonna try not to overthink it because i do that and just Put it out. I'm just putting it out there, guys. If you guys want to come hang out for like whatever. Yeah, well, be careful what you wish for. You don't know who you're going to hear from. And then you have to say, well, uh, you weren't really the ty- the person I had in mind. Well, but, um, the group can but filter I re- out the naysayers. But- right. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I, pr- I would love to do it. So yeah. um, I think yeah. it would be a lot I of fun. I think I'm going to make it happen. Just meet once a month. We can, just- I, also have an, I also have a nice... Uh, I just hosted a class reunion. I I went to high school on the East Coast Mm -hmm. at my house out here in Manzanita because it's a nice place to do that. Mm -hmm. We could, if you're interested, uh, it's a nice place to chill out over here. Yeah, absolutely. uh, I mean, I was thinking we would just help support, you know, all the Portland restaurants and bars and just bop around. Well, 
Well, then, that's true. That doesn't happen here. But yes, I would love to do but that. But also, more we so can than meet just people's houses. Like once my garden is set up, for sure. We could do takeout and serve it at the and serve it at houses too. So yeah. Is that, <laughs> yeah. I, if I don't look at another meal in a box, I'll be happy. But, yeah, um, the closest takeout to us is Subway, I think, down the street. Actually, there's a pretty well, good uh, Happy Valley food cart pod. It's pretty good. At least some of it. I is. would bet. Listen, I bet I would bet you could get some takeout from Canard. They would do it. Yeah, there's the one in Lake Oswego, but that's across the river from us. No, it's in Oregon City, Canard. Oh, that's right. It's in Oregon City. That's really close. I forgot about and that. It's, and it's great. I love it. So Yeah, I love Canard, too. That's a really good idea. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. And uh, we will definitely be in touch. And yes. thank you. Was it Joe Lombardo? Yes, Joe Lombardo. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Joe Lombardo. I really appreciate it. I knew it. There was a Joe Lombardo. I guess there were a lot of them in my high school. Well, he's so, from, he's um, in New York. He's New York based. So. Okay. Well, so. this would have been Connecticut based. Oh. But at any rate, well, thank you, Dina. <laughs> You're welcome. Specifically. And I appreciate it. And um, my pleasure. We will be in touch. Thank you. All right. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right